Backward Media presents NFT. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy. Really excited to bring you this episode with Taylor Stein and Greg Murray. Um, you probably know them from the plunge in, but super excited to get into their project, Swish Dreams, um, which you can find on Twitter at Swish Dreams NFT. It's generative art based off of specific NBA player performance. It is done in a really interesting way from an analytics perspective, as well as from a really artistically pleasing way. So I had the chance to talk with them about this project and some of what they have sort of in store for the future. But if you're a hoops head and you're an NFT collector, I think you're really going to enjoy this and you're going to want to participate. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get into this episode with Greg Murray and Taylor Stein of Swish Dreams. Here we go. This episode of NFT presented by Packrip Media is brought to you by Aspen. Aspen is a new NFT trading platform focused on you, the collector. The entire experience on Aspen is aimed at giving collectors a frictionless and easy way to execute trades of either crypto and NFTs for other NFTs or straight up NFT swaps. Whatever you want to do, Aspen is the place to call home for these types of transactions. For more information, check out Aspen on Twitter at twitter.com slash AspenFT. Again, that is at AspenFT. Let's get back to the program. Joining me on the Aspen guest line is Taylor Stein and Greg Murray. And we're going to talk about their new project today, Swish Dreams. Greg, Taylor, welcome to NFT. Thanks for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. Really excited to have you here. Um, You know, you guys have been involved in the space. I've seen you on the Plunge-In with a good friend of the podcast, Plunge Father. Um, Had the opportunity to meet you, Taylor. Uh, this past uh, November at NFT NYC. So why don't you just t- talk about like your sort of how you both got involved in the space period, and then we'll talk about Swish Dreams from there. Sure, uh, I can kick us off. So yeah, I first got introduced to NFTs like most folks with Top Shot um, back in January. I have a regrettable text message from a friend that told me to join back in November that I ignored, and it took me a couple months to get into it. Um, so yeah, my journey sort of started with Top Shot in January and as a data scientist and basketball nerd, it was like the perfect, perfect storm for me. So I fell in love with it, um, really enjoyed writing. So I started writing a bunch of newsletters and articles around Top Shot and strategy, um, and really just started falling in love with the space and, and became really interested in learning more about all the other projects that were, uh, coming up. Um, and that sort of all together, as far as like a passion for sports and NFTs and data and all that fun stuff, uh, sort of led Greg and I to where we are today. Yeah. And then, you know, similar, similar timeline for me, joined, joined Top Shot in January, um, went headlong into the challenges and uh, I'm a, a BI developer by background. So I started, you know, looking to see what data was available and ended up making a challenge tracker that I was posting on Twitter daily. Um, and, you know, just, just, you know, started trying to visualize other top shot data and, and that's kind of taken me and, um, to where I am now and helped me meet Taylor, helped me meet, uh, folks like Chugs and Bugs and, and Plunge Father and, and really get involved in the community. Yeah. And Taylor, regrettable that you ignored that November text message because we'd probably be doing this episode live from your yacht if you would have <laughs> actually 
Um, but you know, exactly. it's funny. It's like the you're the third or fourth guest that I've had who sort of missed on Top Shot early. Like someone told them about it and they just didn't really get involved. Um, so no, it's it's a very common story. So you're not alone uh, in this. Okay, so gents, let's talk about Swish Dreams. Um, you know, you, you've sort of teed it up pretty well. I mean, you both have a sort of background with data. Uh, like, where did the idea for this project come from? Um, and, and maybe actually before we even get there, what is Swish Dreams? Let's start there first. Sure, I can give you the super short uh, pitch of it. So uh, the project's called Swish Dreams. And the simplest way to think about it is it's an NFT collectible of basketball performance artwork. So it's uh, what we mean by that is it's a project where each NFT tells the story of a player on a given scoring night. Um, and we do it through the use of some stylized shot charts um, that have some extra meaning to them and uh, ideally can be used to tell the story of a player on a given night rather than just some sort of plain X's and O's. Um, and hopefully they can bring back the feeling that folks had watching certain games, watching certain players, and they can sort of provide that narrative value and tell that bigger story. So I, I'm curious, like you guys have been creating these for a while now, I would assume. Like, have you had a, a situation where you've looked at a player's sort of swish dreams, data visualization, and it looks radically either radically different from a night to night basis or radically similar? Can you talk about some of the players that you've seen where like you see a great deal of consistency in their night to night uh, visualization or where you see players where it's like it's feast or famine and it looks totally different on a given evening? It's, it's pretty funny. Taylor and I uh, will go back and forth, like hit, we'll, we'll generate some charts, we'll send them over and we'll, we just really like looking at them first of all. So uh, I, I think we're, we'd be a consumer of our own product, but um, for instance, like Jason or, uh, you know, Tatum out in, in Boston, uh, a lot of his charts, you can see he has a tendency to go right. Like all of, all of the, the plotted circles are on the, the right side of the court. And I swear, Taylor is sending me the same chart every time because it looks <laughs> the exact same way uh, in each one. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can you can definitely see tendencies in there. Uh, for instance, if, if you know somebody's uh, a spotty shooter or, or inconsistent, like they'll tend to have a lot of blue uh, circles in their in their courts. Um, and that way our, our charts work is that uh, the, the represents the when it happened in the game and then the color kind of ranging from a, a, a blue to a pink uh represent the heat player or the you know how how hot their hand was at the time of the shot so for spotty inconsistent guys you can see that there's a lot of blue on their courts because the makes they're getting are after misses makes sense so the blue it's a heat check also you have where they're shooting from as well as as where is how hot they are is who would you say uh, are, are there any surprisingly consistent shooters or surprisingly even shooters where they pretty much shoot it from everywhere on the floor and they're 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 you know tremendously consistent and and, and when i ask you that i mean obviously like steph is going to have stuff all over the place probably from like half court but i'm just curious if there was anyone where the data when you visualize it it actually more like holy shit like this person is a pretty consistent score from just about everywhere that's a good question the one that stood out to me was looking at how much morant finishes around the rim like you see the step backs and the crossovers and you know everywhere on the court but you forget that he's probably what six foot two six foot three and 180 pounds dripping wet so not a big guy um and it was fascinating for me to see that like yeah he hit some threes but 
right around the pane, right around the rim, it's just filled in with circles night in and night out, um, which has sort of brought my eyes to it to realize like, wow, this guy can really finish around the rim, even though he's one of the smaller guys on the floor. Yeah, interesting. Greg, same question to you. Anyone where, I mean, I guess the simple question to ask is like where, what you saw just surprised you, like knowing what you know about the NBA and following a specific player, when you see the data visualized this way, you're like, whoa, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think I was surprised necessarily by the ones we've looked at so far. We've only we've only had, you know, a, a third of, of the season of data, but there are some that I'm surprised at how good they look. Um, there's one for Doncic in particular um, where it's got like kind of a curvature in how he was scoring. Like the, the it starts at the top of the key and there's a bunch of circles that kind of curve their way toward the rim. Um, and it, it's stuff like that that I think is super interesting about this project. Like it may not be a great shooting night, like in five shots, but the chart is, is, you know, it's nice on the eyes. Can you explain the size of the circle for me, what that represents? So we've talked about the color with the blue yep. versus the pinks versus the reddish color, but like, wh what does it mean uh, based off the size of the, the circles? Yeah, so the circles grow as the game goes on. So the later, um, the latest shot in the game is going to be the biggest circle, and then you know, obviously earlier, and then everything in between kind of varies as as the game goes on. Okay, so that's telling the chronological sort of story of of when these shots are happening. Great. Um, so now we're gonna we're gonna dive in. I'm gonna put you on the spot. We're gonna talk about my team. We're gonna talk about the Chicago Bulls, and I'm just curious. What have you seen any data viz from DeMar DeRozan and, and what does his sort of graph look like? Because he's been Mr. Fourth Quarter for me all season. Um, any, any, have you seen any of his graphs yet or any of his data visualization? And what have you noticed from what you've seen from him? I can say what I've seen is there's a lot of big shots, right? And by big shots, I mean big shots in the game and big circles. Um, not surprisingly for him, a lot of mid-range. Uh, I think he's sort of like the the butt of a lot of jokes when you talk about analytics and basketball and people refer to him as a like de facto, like still plays nineties mid-range jumper game, but it's been working. Um, he's extremely efficient and effective doing it. So he's one of those guys where he fills it in all around. It just happens to be all around in the mid-range um, also get into the rim as well. Yeah. I, I'm, it has been such an amazing bull season for me. I, I've suffered. You know, it's like, Okay, I, I, I enjoyed the Jordan era for my entire childhood. So from Chicago, I got to experience that being a young person. And then I went through the Eddie Curry, Tyson Chandler era. And then I had the promise of D Rose, which Thibodeau took away from me by killing him unnecessarily. Um, and that, but it's good though, because he's doing it to the Knicks now. He's killing them. So um, that, that makes me happy on, on the deep level. But like this team has been so much fun to watch. And so I'm looking forward to scooping up some of my bulls. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you don't have data viz yet for steals because I can get all those Caruso cookies. Uh, be another thing that I'll be looking uh, to, to put in my collection long-term too. So, okay, long-term sort of vision for this project. Um, it, I, I can understand the impetus for why you got it started, but where do you sort of um, ideally want this thing to go? That's a really good question. Um, I can kick us off and Greg chime in as well. I think the biggest thing for us is uh, establishing this sort of framework for sports sports storytelling, in particular for basketball, what we have here. Um, this project sort of kicks it off for us, where now we're setting this framework where 
folks know what they're looking at. They know what the court represents. They know what the circles mean. They know what larger circles, more pink, more blue circles, they know what that represents. Um, and that sort of is the first step for us if down for anything we want to do down the road, right? Without the sort of shared understanding of what we're looking at, um, I think it, it would be a little bit tricky for us to get ahead of ourselves and try to come up with future things we want to do. So for right now, the most important part is setting that groundwork so that if, you know, we want to do some specialty throwback courts, maybe it's not even an entire game, maybe it's just some singular large shots that have been made throughout the history of the league. That's something we can do. We sort of establish this, this brand and this idea and this visual style that we can adapt and use in any way, um, at least for basketball, which is definitely where Greg and I, are, our interests are, are, you know, aligned the most is around hoops. Yeah. And then to piggyback what Taylor said, it, it opens us up to being able to do those kind of fun, uh, you know, moments in history uh, if, if we want to go that route and, you know, doing one of ones potentially or, or doing special, you know, featured artists courts working with other people on them if, if we decide we want to go that route. Um, you know, this, like Taylor said, lays the groundwork for something like that. I'm curious if you guys have had much thought about playoffs and finals this year and what your um, potential approach to that would be, right? Because if I am a Warriors fan and there's a game seven, I can imagine that like the, the value of that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Curry chart, chart is gonna be pretty high to me just from an internal perspective, an intrinsic perspective. So, you know, what are you thinking, I guess, preliminarily is we, I mean, we're a quarter of the way through the season. So it's not crazy to think about life in the playoffs and the finals. Um, do you guys have any ideas on how you might tackle that or approach that um, as we breach that part of the season? I think we're, we're leaving the door open for how we want to handle it. Um, at least we set ourselves up where this collection is isolated just to the regular season. Um, there is, we went back and forth on, you know, how we structured this entire project just because it wasn't necessarily trivial around how we get from a certain number of players and games and courts to a final uh, collection size. And we wanted to have that completely locked up. Um, so I think we're leaving the door open for how we can incorporate playoffs, finals, all of that. Um, one of the big things for us is we wanted to have sort of an even spread across the board when it came to players and teams. So you'll see that for each team, we have at least one player represented. Some teams have two. Um, you know, your team over there has got two of them. So congratulations, you're one of the few. Um, but we that. also wanted, there you go. We wanted to have a uh, like consistent amount of supply. So if you look at any given player, we didn't want to have really varying amounts of supply and get speculative about things that might happen in the playoffs. But we knew that every team has 82 games and that if for our you know veterans, we have three NFTs per game. So we can do the math and that's 200. I can't do the math in my head right now, sorry, <laughs> but uh, two, close to 250 per player. And it's at least consistent across the board. So that way the collection is fairly balanced across all of our players. Um, I think that's one of the most interesting parts to us is we wanted to have that, that parity across the board and not necessarily play favorites. Greg, like what, what takes you from, uh, you are an active participant in the space you know, before creating a project, but what sort of drives you and motivates you to go from like, I'm commenting on this, I'm participating as a collector, I'm watching from the outside to I wanna create and, and add a project into the space. Like what was sort of the impetus for you guys to go from um, where you were to where you are now? Yeah, you know, at, at, on its face, I think Taylor and I have always been creators. So he's been writing articles, I've been doing data viz and, um, 
you know, more on the, the artistic side of things. So for, for us, I think this is just, you know, the, the next step that makes sense. You know, we, we really enjoy the space. We feel like we can add to it um, with, with our collection. And we think what we're doing is interesting. Um, you know, shot, shot charts historically, like Taylor said earlier, aren't, aren't all that great to look at. Um, they kind of just tell you what happened and not how it happened or when it happened or, or give you any commentary on the game itself. So for us, um, you know, moving from, you know, creators on the content side to creators of our own project, I, I think it was kind of a natural progression. Yeah. And, and like, I can imagine a world where Top Shot eventually in the moment has the Swish Dreams shot graph for the game for someone on one of the sides of the queue like uh <laughs> but, but i mean i i think that um it it's pretty cool to see people find natural ways like this feels so natural for the two of you to have this as a project like you know and it's not a profile picture of any sort of the animals that are on noah's ark it is um you know it, it is generative art but it's 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 based on what you're passionate about. And so I think like, you know, it, your sort of authenticity with this project really, you can feel it even when you just scroll through the Twitter. And that was gonna be my next question. Like if people wanna participate in the discord maybe before making a purchase or two, what should they expect in terms of the community that you're trying to build in discord uh, with Swiss Dreams? Yeah, you know, I think we're looking for, for, for hoops heads, right? We're, we're, we like talking basketball and analytics. Uh, we're looking for people who want to come in and, you know, chat and learn and, and, you know, talk hoops with us. That makes sense. And, you know, when you look at the sort of scale on, on the, the Twitter page for Swish Dreams, and again, you can find it at Swish Dreams NFT, um, it mentions that you're going to have 9,758 uh, NFTs over the course of a season. So I'm going to assume mathematically that we're talking to Taylor's point, one or two players per team times three times 30. Is that where we're getting to mathematically to get to that number around 9,000 something? So the right logic, we just have a couple extra players in there. So we've got uh, 43, correct me if I'm wrong, 43 players. Yeah. Uh, 30, 38 of those are vets. So the vets have three per game. Um, each one of those will have its own unique artwork based on where the game was played. Um, so if a game's in San Antonio, it's going to have a San Antonio court, um, which creates some really cool matchups because you'll see a player name and you'll see a court that's like you immediately, your brain just goes back to a certain time and a certain day. So you'll see like a Curry San Antonio will be on their like throwback Fiesta courts. And it almost looks like a weird mashup at first, but it's a cool thing. Uh, the, the MLK uh, Atlanta court is the one where it like, looks so awesome. It looks really good. Yeah, Greg, yeah, thank you. Those yeah. Out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's 43 players. 38 of those are vets that have three per game, each on its own court. And then we also wanted to spice it up. So we included the first five picks in the draft. So the five rookies, uh, they have one per game. And those have a sort of 50-50 shot of being our, what we call our base court, our standard court, which is the home team's single color court, or a 50% shot of being one of the other four more specialty courts that we have, um, either like the free throw or fadeaway, which is a, a shared design across team by team where we use certain team colors. And then you also see that each team has two very like hand-drawn, custom, Greg and I, you know, getting our heads together to think about like, hey, when we think about this team, 
what comes to mind? Like, what's the throwback jersey we think about? What is the player we think about? And really trying to make something unique and custom to, to every collector out there. Uh, Greg mentioned that the goal for the type of people you want to attract in Discord are hoop heads. So let's finish there. And uh, Greg and Taylor, give me your biggest surprise and biggest disappointment from the NBA season so far. Um, go ahead and let Greg start. We'll go surprise from each of you, and then I'll reverse order and make Taylor do his biggest disappointment first. Uh, let me go back. So Greg, biggest surprise of the season for you in the NBA this year is what? Uh, I think it's been New York for me. Um, I've, we were out there for NFT NYC and, and watching them play. I, I think they've had kind of, you know, a, a better season than I was expecting. Um, and then as far as a disappointment, I'm a Lakers fan and it's just been, it's been rough. Um, I've been on, you know, the, yeah, I, I, I have a hard time watching their games just because, uh, you know, they look like the, the Carl Malone, Gary Payton era Lakers or sorry, not Gary Payton. Um, yeah, Gary Gary was was yeah sorry yeah no uh it's late here um yeah they look like that team and i just it, it's tough for me to watch taylor same question biggest surprise yeah that's a tough one i've got a couple floating around probably runner up for me is cleveland they've looked extremely competitive and i really like the way they're playing garland looks really good and jared allen looks like he's borderline all-star level I do think my biggest surprise, which maybe shouldn't have been a surprise, is Phoenix. I assumed they were going to take a slump, you know, their sort of sophomore slump after making it to the finals. I just thought, like, ah, it was a weird season post-bubble. They had a good run, but that was it. And they rattled off 18 in a row before losing, you know, to my team. But they're, I'm sure, going to get back on track. So they're probably my biggest surprise as far as just, like, keeping the pedal to the metal. They haven't really taken off one bit from last year. Disappointment. Yeah, I know. Uh, disappointment. Uh, I would say, you know, Greg's team over there, but I didn't expect much signing Russell Westbrook. So disappointment. Oh, that is a really tricky one. I haven't watched a ton of them, but I'm going to go with Atlanta. I could be putting my foot in my mouth so far. I expected them to make another step this year um, with their young guys getting a lot of experience in the playoffs with Trey and John Collins. And we got to watch, um, Puntfather and actually watched them play in Brooklyn when they played the Nets. And that was awesome. And they looked like a, a decent team, but I, I was expecting them to make sort of the, the next step this year. And from what I've seen, they sort of haven't really made that quite yet. Yeah. John Collins to me is one of the most underrated top shot moments just in general. Like I feel like, you know, jo everything Ja does is amazing on there, but John Collins, like I just like to collect his moments just because I feel like everything he does on that platform is usually really cool. Um, no surprise that, I just, I did not think that it would work with DeMar DeRozan. And I wish I could say as a Bulls fan that I expected that it would work really well and that there'd be enough basketball for him, Zach, uh, and Vooch to share. But I just did not expect it to work as well. It, it didn't make sense to me. And their sort of small ball lineup is, is being, has been really effective. And I think like with Vooch coming on, he started really slow, but now that he's starting to cook and start to hit the threes, uh, I'm just excited to see that. So obviously that's going to be my biggest surprise. Uh, and, and I would probably say I, I jump on the Atlanta bandwagon with biggest disappointment just because I, I too expected them to kind of be more in an elite level 
based off of what they had done the year prior. Uh, and, and it just sort of hasn't happened. Are you guys surprised with how the Bucks have played so far this year? Or are they sort of where you expected? Or, uh, you know, and even we can get into Giannis specifically and sort of how he's played coming off of uh, the championship. I can take a first stab at it. I, I guess I'd be surprised by their, they've been really streaky this season, right? They started out really cold and they went on that hot streak. I sort of expected them to be the same Milwaukee team we've seen over the last couple of years where they're just like steadily winning 60 75 percent of their games not really going on a huge stretch not losing any in a row so it seems like they got off to a rocky start um but them too sort of like phoenix i feel like folks are potentially writing them off as just sort of sort of like how folks write off Giannis right after his mvp season it was like Giannis fatigue no one necessarily wanted to see him win it again or thought he'd win it again um i think folks may have wrote them off as well it's funny you bring that up in our discord right before this someone was asking like so who's winning the championship this year and I, of course, said, you know, I think it's my team. And they were like, what about Milwaukee? And I was like, you know what? I honestly sort of forgot about Milwaukee. When I think about the East, I think about Brooklyn first and foremost. Like, can they get it together? And I think, honestly, about Chicago more than I think about Milwaukee. So I think a lot of people could be sleeping on them. Greg, what do you think about Milwaukee so far? Yeah, I mean, to, to Taylor's point, it's hard to sleep on teams that have Giannis and then, you know, just two vets in, in Middleton and, and Holiday. Um, it, it's one of those things where they may not have or they may not uh, come to play every night, but, you, you know, in the playoffs, they're going to be ready. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think they'll be OK. I would see them, you know, doing doing well, um, you know, going a couple of rounds in the playoffs at least. And I'll say, like, I'm excited for some for the Eastern conference playoffs. Normally as someone on the West coast, I watch the East and I you know, observe it, but it sort of feels like a similar story year in and year out where there's one or two teams that, you know, really have a shot at it. And then there's these other games that sort of happen and someone will make it to the Eastern conference finals. And they're like, Whoa, they're in the Eastern conference finals. But this year I feel like there's a lot of parody across the East and there's a lot of dangerous teams with like Chicago and Charlotte, Milwaukee, New York's playing better, Brooklyn. Like it seems like a more legitimate, competitive conference out there so i'm excited to see what happens yeah the lakers have really been interesting i i think that there's a sort of sadness when you watch them it it, it it's like but it's but more again, of a d- despair yeah. <laughs> but but i mean you know again it, from what i understand demar Derozan wanted to go and they let caruso walk also for for essentially he would have taken less money to stay so a bit of a head scratcher on like what the strategy was uh, from the front office perspective. Greg, what, what are your thoughts about letting Caruso walk one and um, maybe not, it, it, it seems like from everyone's perspective, DeMar DeRozan wanted to be there. Like he didn't want to be anywhere else. So I just want to get your take on those two before we wrap up. Yeah. You know, for me, Caruso leaving was, was tough. Like he's a glue guy. He's going to do the dirty work on a team where not a lot of people want to do that. So um, I feel like keeping or letting him go was a mistake. Um, I would have loved to get DeRozan. Um, I, I've given him crap, you know, over the years for the mid-range thing. But I think of late, he's been really productive and would add something to that team that they don't have currently. And then, you know, getting getting Westbrook and, and you know, Mello and, and, and those guys, I, I just think it, the, the, the time has passed. Like we're, we're trying to revive an age of a uh, player that just, that it's just not going to work. 
Yeah, well, let's not pour salt on Greg's wounds, Taylor. Let's just wrap this one up. I, I can see a single tear coming down Greg's cheek <laughs> right now as we sort of uh, pour some out for the Lakers. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for joining. I'm really excited about this project and uh, grateful to have you on so early on in your journey with this because, again, you can tell that this is something that you guys really love. And I think people will enjoy collecting it because it's coming from a really honest and authentic place. So congratulations to both of you and looking forward to minting uh, and, and really excited to see where this goes. I'll be joining the Discord so we can get some of that, that hoops talk happening on a more regular basis. Um, anything else you guys want to mention about anything coming up in the near future with Swish Dreams that you may want to get out uh, before we wrap up? Yeah, we're starting our uh, our like week of minting kicks off tomorrow. We're recording this on Sunday evening, so Monday we're starting our accessless minting, um, where folks can mint up to four during the four week, four days that we're doing that accessless minting, and then Friday we're opening it up to public mint, where you can mint as many as you want, open everyone. Um, and we're really excited to kick this off and, and see what folks get when we reveal, which should be just a couple days after um, either 48 hours after public or after sellout, or I believe we said seven days after public sale, Greg, correct, yeah. seven days. Um, and yeah, I'm just really looking forward to seeing it, especially like the dynamic aspect where you may get a Swiss stream for a game that's in a month and now you've got something to look forward to. You're going to wait and watch that game and see what happens, or you've got one that already happened. You can see what it looks like. So I'm really excited for it. Very cool. Uh, congratulations again to you both. Thanks so much for joining. And like I like to do with people who start projects, I always like to try to circle back in a couple months and see what lessons have been learned because um, as Greg and I were, I don't know if we were lamenting before we started, it's like, it's like having a child, you know, the real work begins once <laughs> the child's born and uh, um, really, again, happy for you both and really grateful you joined and, and jumped on on a late night on the West Coast. So uh, continued success and thanks so much. Thanks for Thank having you. us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I want to thank my special guests, Taylor Stein and Greg Murray, for joining me on the Aspen Guest Line to talk about Swish Dreams. Please check out Swish Dreams at Swish Dreams NFT. Uh, you'll also find it in the show notes. As always, thank you so much for listening. We're going to bring you a bunch of episodes in the coming weeks. Uh, it is such an honor to be able to share people's stories with you in the NFT community, and I'm so deeply grateful to do so. So wishing you a very, very good end to 2021 and a very promising start to 2022. As for now, it's Dr. Jeremy signing off saying take care of yourselves and each other. Peace. Peace.